Good morning. Good to see you today. Everybody's refreshed, had an extra hour of sleep, I believe. So uh, anyway, I think we're doing that for another year. I don't know. I think it's being voted on or something like that. But anyhow, uh, all right. Well, my three-year-old John David, his, his, his new fun thing to do is to play hide-and-seek. And he likes to play it uh, when we don't know we're playing. Uh, in the past few weeks, he'll just disappear. Be at the house, and we'll see. Anybody seen John David or heard from Because he's always running around and talking, so when it's quiet, you're like, has anybody seen him recently, or do you know where he is? And he'll just, he'll just disappear. And we'll go, we'll go look to try to find him, and we'll wonder if he wandered outside or whatever, and our heart will skip a beat, we'll get worried, and then we'll finally find him in like a closet or something, or hiding behind a chair, and then he laughs at us, and he thinks it's hilarious. And because uh, he's hiding from us, and we don't, but we don't know that he, we're playing this game. Even on Halloween night, we, we went to, after trick-or-treating, we went to a friend's house, and uh, we were in, at the property, and it's dark, and he was hiding in areas that, you know, we're not familiar with, and so he's outside hiding behind trees, hiding behind trash cans in the dark, and we'd be talking, and then it'd be like, wait, you might know where John David is, right? And then we'd finally find him, and then he'd laugh at us. And so when John David hides from you, you don't find him until he uh, allows you to find him, <laughs> or until you look really hard for him. Uh, and one thing's for sure is that the game isn't over until you find him. Uh, he will wait you out. He will, he will wait there for a long time. We'll, we'll yell, John David, and he's there the whole time. He has a lot of patience. He'll wait you out on it. He'll persevere. And then when you find him, he'll laugh at you for taking so long for finding him. So we've had to tell him, no, we can't do that. That's not nice. You know, we don't know where you're at. And so we have to instruct him that uh, it's fun for him, but seeking him is not something we enjoy doing. When people find Jesus, they are usually looking for him. People come to a point in their lives where they're looking for truth. They're looking for answers. They're looking for Jesus. And the good news is, when we seek Jesus, whether it be for the first time as lost people looking for a Savior or for the first time in a long time. When we seek Jesus, we will find him. We're looking at today, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. The Bible tells us in verse 1 that he, being Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything... I restore it fourfold. 
Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Father in heaven, as we continue to worship you today, we thank you uh, for being able to, to be in a country where we aren't having to be um, persecuted, not like these countries we've seen. We can worship freely, unlike some of these, these brothers and sisters in Christ across the country, across the world, who worship at their own risk. We pray for them right now, Lord, that you give them uh, a peace that passes understanding. You give them a courage to stand in the face of adversity and persecution, knowing that they will be rewarded for it one day, and that you give them, Lord, that, that strength, and that they will lead those who persecute them to faith in you. Father, I pray that, that, that we hear what you want us to hear today in your word, that you fill me with your spirit, that my words are yours, and that we have the spirit to hear and receive this today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you today several things that happen as we're seeking Jesus. Several things that happen when we seek Jesus first is that when, there's, when we're seeking Jesus, Jesus gives us opportunity. Jesus gives us opportunity. You know, Sam was talking today that he tried grits for the first time. Well, when he had lunch with me yesterday, I said, why don't you get a sweet tea? And he ordered the sweet tea. I said, you ever had sweet tea before? He said, never. I said, well, go ahead and order that. And then about halfway through the meal, I looked over, and his cup was empty. So he likes the sweet tea, and he likes the grits. He had the opportunity to try both, and he did. But God gives us opportunity. Look at verse 1. It says that Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Tax collectors were despised. We talked about this a little bit last week. They were despised among the Jewish community for several reasons. First, they worked for the Roman government. That was the first reason. Secondly, that the taxes they collected were often unfair and they were terribly burdensome. And three, they often took more than they were required to take. The government gave them kind of a quota of what to take, and then, but the people they were uh, taking taxes from didn't know that quota. So if they said, get 100, they would get 115 or 120. So they could take more than, and no one would ever know about it. And people knew this. And this is how many tax collectors were despised. Well, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was on top of the pyramid, so to speak. So he was extraordinarily wealthy. And it's very possible that he made his wealth through the taxes of the common people. However... Despite his past, he wanted to see Jesus. Look at verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. That's the nice biblical way of saying he was short. Short little guy. And so he's, Jesus is passing through. Crowds had heard of him. And so for a short guy, it would be hard to see over all the heads of everyone else. So what does he do? Verse 4. He ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, sycamore trees are tall, and many of you may not know what a sycamore tree looks like. You can Google, or you can look at this picture of what is believed to be the actual tree in Jericho. 
that Zacchaeus climbed up. So you can see where there's a couple of places where you can jump up there and climb. It's a major tourist destination. Uh, it's believed to be uh, that, that spot right there. And so Zacchaeus climbs up into this tree, gets ahead of the parade, so to speak, climbs up in the tree to see Jesus coming. And Zacchaeus, despite his profession, despite his reputation, Despite his sin, he still sought Jesus. Why? Because by passing through Jericho, Jesus gave Zacchaeus an opportunity. He gave him an opportunity. And Jesus will give anyone the opportunity to see him if they're watching. Jesus will give anyone the opportunity to see him if they seek him. Now today, Jesus is in heaven. And, but if you're a believer, you have the Spirit of Jesus residing in you. And so when you interact with people, if they were seeking Jesus, would they see him in you? Would that be their opportunity to see Jesus as you interact with them, as you're going to the grocery store, or waiting in line somewhere, or paying your car taxes at the DMV? Where do you go? Would they see Jesus in you? Could you show them Jesus? Could you share with them? Is there a Zacchaeus in your life who's desperately seeking the truth, who's climbing trees to look for Jesus? Are you the opportunity that God gives them? Are you that parade that's walking down the street? Are you the opportunity? But for those who have yet to see you may be the opportunity Jesus gives them. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, of course he's Jesus, he knows his name, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Again, we've said this before, Jesus was not Southern. He invited himself to his house. <laughs> You know, your mom might tell you, don't ever self-invite, don't invite yourself. Well, he did. Jesus says, no, 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 I'm coming to your house today, right? Didn't say, hey, come to my house, or can I come to your house? Come down the tree. I'm coming to eat with you today, verse 6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus obeys Jesus, receives him joyfully into his house. There should be a certain joy in receiving Jesus. There should be a, a, a certain joy in it. Do you have that joy today? And if you don't, what's keeping you from having that joy? Is it the crowds and the people in the heads you can't see over? Maybe you got to climb a tree. What is it you need to do? Jesus gives you the opportunities every day to have that joy, but many times that joy gets crowded out by things. It's crowded out by sins. Crowded out by false idols, false gods, false religions, false philosophies that we start undertaking, and it takes the joy of receiving Jesus into our home away. But Jesus gives us that opportunity every day. And for those who don't know him, many times you might be the opportunity. Secondly, not only does he give us opportunity, he gives us conviction. Conviction, or another way you could say that is he convinces us of things. 
Now, this section contrasts two attitudes when it comes to Jesus. The first is a, a judgmental attitude. We see that people were judging Jesus for eating with what they called a sinner. Look what he says in verse 7. When they, the people, saw it, they all grumbled. You know what that's like? You've heard of a grumbler. Maybe you've grumbled before. Well, I look at Jesus. Did you hear about Jesus? What did he do? Well, he went over to that Zacchaeus' house. Ate with Zacchaeus. You know what that means? Jesus must be like Zacchaeus. Maybe he has a ministry. Maybe his ministry is a fraud. Maybe he's taking people's money. Well, I don't know what it is, but, but, but he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Let me tell you about conviction of sin. It's hard to be convicted of your own sin when you're too busy judging others' sins. When we're judging other sins and talking about what they're doing, what, it's hard to allow God to convict you of your own. But what Zacchaeus heard in his house convicted him. We don't know exactly what Jesus said, but it changed him. It convicted him. Because he had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, and he was convicted of his sin. And look what he does. He offers to change. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it for." He hears something, the word of God from Jesus himself, and he is convicted. That's the thing about the word of God. That's why we preach sermons based on God's word. That's why you're not getting life lessons from me or motivational speeches. I can't make you do anything. I can't convict you of anything. The word of God convicts. Zacchaeus heard the word of God in Jesus We have the word of God today. We can't convict people of their sin. I have four kids. I've tried. Only the word of God can convict. And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about too. You can't convict your spouse. They have to be convicted by the Lord. And after speaking with Jesus, Zacchaeus was convicted. He was convinced that way he had done wrong in the past. Right? He wanted to make some type of restitution. He had once, he had sinned in ignorance, but now he knew better. That's the thing about not being ignorant anymore. We now know better. Look at 1 Timothy 1. Paul talks about this. He says, I thank him, talking about God, who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Verse 13, though formerly... I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. But I received mercy, Paul says, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. See, Paul was lost. He was religious, he was immoral, but he was lost as long, lost as the day is long. Until he had an encounter with Jesus. And he was saved. And he says here that I had acted formally. Uh, God gave me mercy because he was going to use me because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 14, and the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And now he knows better. See, uh, the other day, John David, my three-year-old, he gives me so many illustrations every day. He stopped up one of our sinks in the house. 
And uh, so that's my fourth child. I never had one do this before. And I heard him playing in the bathroom, and I thought, okay, here we go. He was in there playing, and then um, I went in there, and the, and the water was at the top of the sink in our bathroom, but the, but the plug wasn't pulled up, and that's, that's how I knew it was a problem. Right? The plug was down. He had stopped it up. So I opened the, the doors underneath the sink and looked at the plumbing, and then I got on YouTube and watched about two, three minutes of the video, and uh, then I called Alex and uh, <laughs> our, uh, our superintendent here and said, Alex, you can come over here and help and take care of this for me, because I could, but there'd be a lot of water going everywhere, probably. And anyway, uh, so he, he found a whole lot of toilet paper in the sink, and he found some, some metal washers and nuts and things that John David had put in there, and, you know, John David thought it was funny, because he didn't know what he was doing was bad. Maybe he did, but he didn't know how bad it was until I told him that you cannot play in the sink anymore. That's bad. It's not funny, right? But now he knows better. If he does it again, there'll be a different consequence. See, there's a time where we act in ignorance, but after Jesus, he gives us the conviction of sin as a gift. It's a gift to us. It tells us, oh, we don't do that anymore. Oh, wait, we're going to turn from that. You've been bought with a price. You, you're different now. And, and look at what Romans 2, 4 says. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. See, more than anything, God's kindness allows us to change. His mercy allows us to change. And in this, in this story, Jesus' kindness of Zacchaeus allowed him to change. He didn't say, hey, you tax collector, sinner, get on down from that tree and I'll tell you what's what. He didn't say that. He said, I'm coming to your house. His kindness led the man to repentance. Not his guilt. Not his judging. If anyone had the reason and the authority to judge someone publicly, it would have been Jesus Christ. But even he didn't do that. The kindness leads us to repentance because through that kindness and the truth of God's word, people realize there really is a God who loves me and I need to change. Jesus gives us the gift of conviction. And finally, number three, Jesus gives us salvation. Gives us salvation. So saying that he was going to do these things, make restitution, Jesus believed him. And he says in verse 9, Today, salvation has come to his house. For this man is also a son of Abraham. He's also a true believer now. He is a believer in God, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus did not leave heaven, come to this earth, live a life, be brutally murdered. He didn't do all that just to make us happy. He didn't do all that to make our lives easier, although he does, and our lives are happy with him. He didn't do all these things just to increase our mood or give us a self-esteem boost even. Jesus' primary reason for coming was to seek and save the lost, which is everyone. That's why he came. Our number one need. He, Jesus is the ultimate hide-and-seek player. 
He is the ultimate seeker. That is his purpose. That's why he's walking down the road of Jericho, to give people the opportunity to seek after him as he seeks them. And even if you're hiding in a tree, peeking out at this Jesus, Jesus is capable of finding you. He seeks us. He finds us. So when it seems like we're the ones seeking for Jesus, we realize that all along he's been looking for us. Have you been seeking the truth? Maybe you're not a believer today. Maybe you don't know what you believe. But you know something's wrong. Something's off in your life. Are you seeking the truth? Do you, did you know that Jesus has been seeking you as well? And the fact that you're here today, he sees you in that tree. And he says, come, I'm coming to your house today. Because I want to tell you something about who I am. Turn to him. And be saved today. Maybe you're a believer and you've been going through a time where you've been hiding from Jesus. Unlike my four-year-old, Jesus, in my situation, Jesus knows where you are. There's no need to hide. He knows you're behind that garbage can. He knows you're under the table. He knows you're up in the tree. He knows where you are. Come on out and let him find you because he knows where you're at already. Or maybe you know someone who's hiding. Pray today that, that they will be found, that Jesus will find them. Or maybe you know someone who's searching today. Pray that they'll find Jesus. We're going to have our invitation time today. You know, the front of our church is always open. You don't have to come down, but sometimes there's power in coming down at the feet of Jesus symbolically. Saying, Lord, I need you, or there's someone, Lord, that I'm going to pray for today that needs you, that's been hiding, that needs you to find them, that's looking for you. And I'm praying today that they'll find you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this story we see, Lord, as you were walking to your death, the last days of your life, and you see a man in the tree who wasn't sure maybe what he was looking for. Wasn't sure maybe who you were. And Lord, you, you saw him and you called eyes with him and you said, I'm coming to you today. Father, there's people all in our area, all in our city, that are looking for something, but they're not sure what it is. That you would use us believers in here today to give people the opportunity find you opportunity to change as you change us or maybe there's someone here today that just they're doing their their best to follow you today the best to love you today and some days they feel like hiding lord let them know today that they don't have to hide that you'll find them you'll be there with them and sometimes lord you'll crawl in our hiding place with us and bring us out Father, we thank you for what you've done through Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for saving us. We bring these to you today, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name.